much more about what people did and what the apostles did when they took the message of the gospel out into the places that they were called to go. The, 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 the gospel and the church wasn't a stagnant thing that just remained in one place. It was uh, an ever-growing expansion of the glory of God and the kingdom of God that was taken from essentially where it began uh, in Jerusalem, where Jesus says again um, in the book of Acts to, to, to the apostles, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the power, and then you will go out and you will be witnesses into all the world, essentially. Once that power came upon them, they were sent out of the place where they were to go and take the message of the gospel. And it was the same for each and every believer uh, of that time. And it's not that every believer uh, left the town or the place that they were in and went and traveled the world to preach the gospel, but they preached the gospel where they were. The, the church in the, all of the early churches, and you can read in all of Paul's letters to the churches that he writes to, in, in all of these places, there is a growing church there, and he's writing to encourage them and to teach them to bring correction where correction is needed, but he's not writing to something that is stagnant. He's writing to the living church that was outworking the things that God had called them to do in the communities that the church had been planted in. It wasn't something that was just, yeah, okay, now you know it and you know Jesus, so you can just chill and your life is all good and you can just wait until the day that you pass away and you enter into the kingdom. What came with the knowledge and an understanding of who Jesus was and what Jesus did was a calling to go out into the world with the power that they were now filled with because of the Holy Spirit in them and take the message of the gospel to the people around them. Take the message of the gospel to the community that they were placed in. And, and even more than that, take the power that was now in them as a result of the Holy Spirit and be an outworking expression of the power of God in the places that God had called them to be. It wasn't just this stagnant thing, okay, yep, you're all good, you're sweet, you just chill. It's no, now you're filled with power, you have the Holy Spirit, you have been called by God to use what he's given you and, and, and be an expression of the true power of God to everybody around you. That's kind of where we were at last week, talking about the reality of the power that was present in the early church. That, that, that the thing that separated Christians, that separated the believers of Jesus from every other belief system on the planet was the presence of the majestic uh, supernatural power of God. That's what separated Christianity from everything else. That, that's what separated um, the, the people of God from every other religion of every other nation that surrounded them in that time. They, they all had, you know, all the other nations, and um, depending on what God they followed, had their different understanding of the world and a different interpretation of how things came to be or how they were to worship the God of, of their nation and the sacrifices that they had to make. But what separated the Christians from everybody else, what separated the believers of Jesus, was the supernatural power of God. And you can even see examples of that throughout the Old Testament um, when, uh, when Elisha uh, is, is, uh, is on the mountain and there's 400 um, priests of Baal essentially and they're you know, dancing around the, the altar praying for hours trying to get something to happen to call down fire from heaven and they're dancing around doing all their chantings waiting for something supernatural to happen and nothing happens. 
And, and so Elisha walks up, dips a whole bunch of water uh, on, 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 on the altar and just says a simple prayer to God and fire from heaven lights that altar. That's what separated him from those 400 priests above was the supernatural power of God. And that didn't disappear in the New Testament after Jesus came and, and, and then ascended into heaven. That supernatural aspect of the God that we serve has never changed. Because the Bible tells us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he was supernaturally powerful and able to outwork these incredible miracles in the Old Testament, and if he's a supernatural powerful God and able to outwork all the miracles uh, and things that he did while he was here on earth, and then we read that the apostles and the early disciples did the same thing, then common sense and logic would tell us then that that means that we too are able to outwork those same supernatural things in our life because we still serve the same God who was capable of those things then and is just as capable of those things now. But we the church need to understand that that's still who we're called to be and how we're called to function, filled with power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so so that, that's what separated the, the people of God. Okay? And this continued all the way through all the disciples that genuinely followed the teaching of Christ and the apostles. We also touched on the truth that the church was designed and given by God for his people, for all of us. The, the church wasn't designed and the church wasn't created for the unbelievers. It was created for the believers so that the believers had a place to come and a place to gather where they could come together and they could worship God and they could pray and they could encourage each other and they could hear the word spoken and there could be an outworking of the supernatural power and the miracle working power of God within the church. It was, it was given to the church. And, and, and we, we touched on the fact that, that over years and, and throughout history, a lot of stuff has gone on in the church. But that there's, there's, there's been a shift in the understanding of who the church is actually created for. And it's shifted from, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a place for the believers to come to a place where, no, no, we have to make sure that it's safe for somebody who doesn't know God to come in. So we can't do any of the weird stuff and there can't be any supernatural and there can't be any, any of that stuff because if somebody comes in, then they're going to be weirded out by what we do. And so churches change the way that it's function to cater for those who don't believe anyway. And I don't, I, that doesn't, doesn't make sense to me why, why we would do that when the whole reason that we're together is to glorify God and be an expression of who he's called us to be, right? And yet that's what happened. That's what's happened over the, the, the course of history. Church is a place where we can come together and encounter the supernatural presence and power of God, where, where the power of God can be manifested and outworked in and through us a place where the people of God can be equipped and empowered by God to continue to take the message of the gospel of the kingdom to all of those outside the church. And we see this uh, in, in Scripture. So we're going to read first Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 uh, through to 16. And it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up, into all, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ." from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working 
by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So essentially, it's speaking of, of the church, that, uh, that the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, they were given, right, so that the church, the saints, as it says here, that the saints or the church could be equipped for the work of the ministry. That's what the church, that's what the pastors, evangelists, all the people who were called, that's what they were called to do. They weren't called to um, make things comfortable for those who don't believe. They were called to equip the church, the saints, for the work of the ministry so that everyone working together in whatever God has called and anointed them to do, that the church can function in the fullness of what it was supposed to be. And so that the church would be taught the truth of the word of God so that the people wouldn't be swayed by every other doctrine, by every other false teaching by anyone else who would come into the church and say, no, no, this is, this is what we should really believe and try and shift the understanding of the people of the church. No, the pastors, the apostles, the teachers, the evangelists, they were there to equip the church with an understanding of the word of God and to equip them for the work of the ministry, which was not, it, it wasn't like it just looks like today where there's a select few of us who are in ministry, the ministry was, was the church and it was the message of the gospel. And see, even the, even the way we, we kind of talk about that, and that shifted over the years, you know, I work in ministry, so then an understanding of someone reading that, okay, well, that's speaking to, to Darren and to the people who work in ministry. No, no, it's speaking to everybody who was a part of the church. Everybody who believed in Jesus, everyone who'd accepted that Jesus was their Lord and Savior, was now a part of the church and called to be an, uh, somebody who, who, who outworked the power of God for his glory, right? That was what the church was called to do. It's not a select few. It's every person who believes in the name of Jesus is filled with the same power and the same spirit. The Holy Spirit I have is no different to the Holy Spirit that Boyd has, that Omi has. It's no different. It's the same spirit, the same power, right? So we're all filled with the same thing, and we're all called to be outworkers of the truth and the power of God. God has equipped His church so that it is able to stand firm in the truth of the gospel and the truth of the kingdom of heaven. He gave all of these gifts and these roles for his church to be filled with truth and power so that the use of these gifts would edify the church and in doing so would glorify God. The expression of, of the gifts and the things of the Holy Spirit were given so that the church would be edified, encouraged, uplifted, and God would be glorified as his people outwork the things that he's given them to do. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, um, 23 to 25. It says, Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they, will they not say that you are out of their mind? Um, they are, you are out of your mind. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all. He is convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. So what's Paul saying to the church of Corinth? He's saying, when you gather together, 
there should be an expression of the things of the Spirit, especially prophecy in, uh, in this scripture. He says, so when the unbeliever or one who is uninformed of the truth comes in and he will hear what you say and he'll hear what is prophesied, he will be convinced by all. He will be convicted by all and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. So falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. So the expression of the gifts, according to Paul, right into the church at Corinth, the expression of the gift to somebody who comes in who is an unbeliever will be an example of the truth and the power of God, so much so that that person who came in as an unbeliever will now fall down on their face and say, because of the things that I have witnessed today, because of the things that I have experienced today in this place, I cannot deny any longer that the God you serve is the one true God. So the expressions of the gift enabled the unbeliever to experience and encounter the power of God and have their life transformed in that moment. If this was, you know, again, going back to what we said, like this scripture shows us that the church should be filled with power. That We can't hide away from the things of God and hope that an unbeliever comes in and feels comfortable and eventually gives their life to God. They need to experience the power of God. And like I said last week, there does we do have to have wisdom in these things and not be silly. Like we do have to, you know, be again being obedient to God in this is the most important thing. If God's instructing someone to give a word, then that person needs to give a word. If God's not instructing someone to get up and speak, then they shouldn't get up and speak. If God's instructing someone to speak out in tongues, it's because He has already uh, ordained somebody to be able to interpret those tongues. God is not a God of disorder or chaos. He's a God of order. So if he wants something to happen, we just need to be obedient to him. If, if God wants somebody to come out the front and, have, um, and receive prayer for, for sickness or for healing or something, then that needs to be able to happen. Right? Just like we prayed for Jan earlier, if there are other people in this place, if God wants to do something and he speaks it, then we need to be obedient to that. Because it's his power, his spirit that saves people, right? And if God is wanting to do something, he's wanting to do it for a purpose and for a reason so that he can be glorified, so that the church can be edified, and so that people can understand the fullness of the power of God at work in their life. So again, the the verse that that we just read um, shows us that the outworking of the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the gathering of the church is, is, is to be assigned to those who may come in that do not know Jesus that what we believe is the truth as they bear witness to the miraculous things of God. Right? That changes people's lives. And you know what? The biggest, the greatest miracle is the fact that you and I are saved. Right? And I love all the other miracles healings, miraculous things, like the mighty move of God, words of prophecy, I love it all. And I want to see it all. But, but I think we, we also need to, to recognize and, and understand and have, have that revelation, the greatest miracle is that you and I are saved. Right? Because of what Jesus did, we have been restored and redeemed. That's the greatest miracle. And so even if God never did anything else miraculous, that alone should be enough for us. 
He wants to continue to do these things, and that's what we're talking about. But but, but getting an understanding in this revelation in ourselves that the greatest miracle is the fact that I'm saved because of Jesus Christ. Right? That's the greatest. So uh, um, let me show you another scripture that points, uh, uh, again, to um, the gifts of the Spirit. And this, in, in the Bible, in the New King James Version at least, comes under the, the, the subheading of serve God with spiritual gifts. Okay? And it's in Romans chapter 12, verse 3 to 8. He says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, that all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophesy, uh, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Again, he's writing to the church that the gifts are given for the edification of the church to be used. If you've been given the gift of prophecy, use the gift of prophecy. If you've been given the ability to teach, then use the ability to teach. If you've been given the ability to encourage and uplift and get around people, use the gift that you've been given. It says we've all been given gifts, not all the same. So just because I have uh, one gift doesn't mean everybody else in this place is going to have that gift. And there's gifts in this place that all of you have that I don't have. And that's why the church and the body needs each other to be functioning in the things that God has called us to do so that the fullness of God and the full outworking of His power and His giftings is at work in the church through the entire church, not just through a couple of people, but the entire church operating and functioning in what it is that they're called to do. And not just called, but what you've actually been gifted by God, by the Holy Spirit, to do. He who leads with diligence. Amen. Thanks, Wally. Today's church and today's Christians, those who know and believe the truth of Christ, should be an ongoing example of the outwork power of the God we serve who created the universe that we inhabit. I've just started reading recently this um, this, this, this book is called um, uh, Why the Universe is the Way It Is. Uh, and I'm not going to go into any of the details of it right now, but maybe that's for another time. But, but just, just very briefly, um, just the way that everything exists in, in our universe, and this is written by like, scientists who've you know, done crazy intelligent people, and I don't understand half of what I'm reading in this book, but it's still blowing me away. Just the way that the entire universe was formed and created to perfection. And it even goes into talking about the age of the universe and that kind of stuff. It's full on. But, 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 but we need to understand that that same God who created the universe, which is ever-expanding and, and ever-growing, right? That same God created us. That same God saved us. That same God's power, according to his word, is in us. And so why would, why would a God that powerful ever want to hide that power and not express it so that more and more people on this planet could come to know the truth of who he is? 
I, I, I digress on that. Uh, so last week, again, we touched on a couple of, um, of credited early church historians that painted a very vivid picture of how the early church functioned and how the early disciples um, used the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit to be outworkers of the same things by the same power that Jesus wore, uh, worked while he was on the earth. And, and just um, uh, one of them, remember, uh, um, uh, Irenaeus said this. Uh, he writes, Those who are in truth, my dis- uh, Jesus' disciples, receiving grace from him, do in his name perform miracles so as to promote the welfare of other men according to the gift which each one has received from him. For some do certainly and truly drive out devils so that those who have thus been cleansed from evil spirits frequently both believe in Christ and join themselves to the church. Others have foreknowledge of things to come. They see visions and utter prophetic expressions. Others still heal the sick by laying their hands upon them and they are made whole. Yea, moreover, as I have said, the dead even have been raised thus and remained among us for many years. You, you read that and you put that alongside the last scripture that we just read, that the different gifts are being outworked through different people in the power of the church. That's what Irenaeus is writing in that letter. He's saying, some you will see who cast out demons. Some who will go around laying their hands on the sick and watching them healed. Others, the, the miracle of raising the dead to life. Like he's saying the different people are using the different gifts that have been given to them so that God's church is being glorified so that people know and understand that the God that we serve is the one true God. See, the thing that we need to understand as well about culture and, and history back then is that all the other nations where they took the gospel and all the other different groups of people, they believed in their own gods. It wasn't that they believed in nothing. They had their own gods, their own powers that they were doing their best to try and serve and try to appease. And they had their own way of doing things. And they believed if they made these certain sacrifices or did this or did that, then maybe that God would be happy with them and, and they could you know, uh, be blessed for that year or whatever. But... There, there was no real power in them, right? And so when the Christians, when the believers of Jesus take the message of the gospel to these other places, these other nations who, again, were worshipping other gods, they already had gods that they worshipped, the only thing that was going to, to really challenge their understanding and their belief, because it'd be easy to say, well, we've already got our God, so we don't really need yours. And if there was no power, and if there was no reason to believe, then what would cause these people of the other nations to believe? It was the power of God at work. When these, when these Christians and the disciples would go in there, and they would cast out demons, and they would heal the sick, and the dead would be raised, and whatever other miracles they did that we have no record on, it was these outworkings of power that communicated to these other nations hang on, there is actually power in these gods. And they'd be thinking, you know, we have people who claim to be exorcists or whatever within our thing, but they don't have this power. They can't do what these people did. It was the expressions of the power of the giftings of the Holy Spirit that took the message of the gospel and caused believers of other gods to then turn away from their God and worship the one true God who has the power to do these incredible things. Right? It was the expression of the power of God that changed the nation. Right? It wasn't just them going and saying, hey, there was this guy, Jesus, who died for us, and you should believe in him because he's the one true God. Because if you, if you just went and did that to another nation, they'd be like, yeah, cool, we've, we've got our God, and he, he did this. And like, okay, cool. Like, where, where do you go from there? There's another believer who's like, well, well, watch what my God can do. Bring me someone who's sick. Bring me someone who, who, who needs a miracle, and I'll show you the power of my God. 
right? And it wasn't just in the church. It, it was not, hey, go get someone you know needs help and uh, bring them to this spot at this time on a Sunday morning and a few of us will lay our hands on them and pray then. Uh, you know, it was, no, no, bring them to me now and let me show you the power of our God. And see, again, this is where the church, I believe, needs to get back to, that, that it's, not, it's not just about bringing people here on a Sunday morning. If you know someone who's sick and say, hey, come to church so that we can pray with you at church. Not that that's a bad thing, but you can lay your hands on that person and pray for healing because the same power that is in anybody who's going to be at church on Sunday is in you. And it doesn't always require them coming in into this place to receive a miracle from God because we, we read these letters and we read the, 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 the books of the New Testament and it wasn't, hey, you need help. Okay, come on Sunday and we'll see what we can do. It's, hey, you need help. Okay, come here and I'll do what I can and I'll pray in the name of Jesus and by the blood of Jesus and we'll see something move and we'll see something break because that's the power that believers have. Okay, so let's just quickly uh, look at a couple more early church historians who stood up for the absolute truth of the power of the kingdom of God being outworked through those who choose to follow him. So another one uh, is Tertullian. Um, so he lived from, um, from uh, roughly 150 years uh, after Jesus to, um, to 220 years after Jesus. So this guy, uh, Tertullian, if that's how you pronounce it, he was so entirely caught up in the dynamic expression and power of God's spirit that, that some uh, have dubbed him and called him um, the church's first authentic Pentecostal the, uh, theologian just because of like, how much he, he, he believed in the expression of the power of the Holy Spirit. So essentially we, we can understand that he loved the Holy Spirit. Like he was just this dynamic guy. So he, uh, in the context um, of, of, of baptism, right, uh, he writes, he urged new disciples to earnestly seek after spiritual gifts. He says, therefore, my blessed ones, whom the grace of God awaits, when you ascend um, from the most sacred font of your new birth, baptism, and spread your hands for the first time in the house of your mother, the, the church, together with your brethren, ask from the Father, ask from the Lord, that his own specialities of grace and distribu- distributions of gifts may be, may, may be supplied to you, Ask, he says, and you shall receive. Well, you have asked and have received. You have knocked and it has been opened to you. Only I pray that you, when asking, be, be mindful likewise of Tertullian the sinner. So, so his, his thing was, okay, when we baptize people, after they come about of the water, let's take some time and take some opportunity to pray that God would impart the gifts of his spirit into that person so that they can begin to outwork the power of God through their lives. He said, let's actually be intentional about this and be purposeful about this. That baptism is so much more than just the going in and the ascending. Okay, you've been washed clean. He said, no, no, let's seek after the power of God. When people are baptized in front of the church, let's take some time and take an opportunity to pray. And I love that, that, that that's what we do here. We, we baptize people and then there's an opportunity for people to come forward, to pray, to bring a word, to do all that sort of stuff. That's a good thing because we should be asking the Holy Spirit to equip people. And if you've been baptized and that never happened, it doesn't mean that you can't be filled with the Holy Spirit now and begin to outwork in, the, in these gifts of power, right? Because we, we can pray that at any moment. But, but this was his intention and, the, and, 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 his, and, his, and his understanding of how we go about it. So in, the, in this next one um, that I'm going to share with you, he, he's, he's writing a letter. Uh, Petrullian is writing a letter um, 
in response to essentially a false teacher of his, uh, of his day and age who is leading many away from the truth and trying to lead people in his own interpretation. So this guy who was writing the letter to uh, was called uh, Marcion. Uh, and, and this guy Marcion preached, and I'll try and give you an understanding of what he was saying. This guy Marcion preached that God had sent Jesus, uh, who was an entirely new alien God, uh, distinct from the vengeful God of Israel who created the world, um, this guy considered himself to be a follower of Paul the Apostle, whom he believed to have been the only true apostle of Jesus Christ and created his, his, his whole own doctrine, uh, Marcionism. And um, the guy wrote a whole book, blah, blah, blah. And yet the early church fathers, okay, such as Justin Martyr, who we talked about last week, uh, Irenaeus, who we talked about last week, uh, Tertullian, and a few others, they all denounced this guy Marcion as a heretic. And he was actually excommunicated by the Church of Rome in around 144 years after Jesus' death. So, but he's still going around preaching this false gospel, telling people that Jesus is this alien who, you know, whatever else he said, like it sounds weird, but this is what this guy was preaching. And Tertullian writes a letter in response to him, right, or, and to, to people to, to show them um, why that is just so ridiculously crazy. So he writes uh, in, in, in this letter, <clears throat> Let Marcion then exhibit... As gifts of his God, some prophets, such as have not spoken by human sense, but with the Spirit of God, such as have both predicted things to come and have made manifest the secrets of the heart. Let him produce a psalm, a vision, a prayer. Only let it be by the Spirit in an ecstasy that is in a rapture. Whenever an interpretation of tongues has occurred to him, let him show to me also that any woman of boastful tongue in his community has ever prophesied from among those special holy sisters of his. Now, all of these signs of spiritual gifts are forthcoming from my side without any difficulty, and they agree too with the rules and the dispensations and the instructions of the Creator. Therefore, without doubt, the Christ and the Spirit and the Apostle belong severally to me. Here then is my frank avowal for anyone who cares to require it. So he's saying that, okay, this guy wants to say this stuff and preach this stuff. And, and Tertullian's writing and he's saying, okay, well, if what he says is true, let him show some sort of outworking of power. Let there be prophecy. Let there be tongues. Let there be something, anything of the power of God evident in this guy or those who follow him. He's writing saying, there's no power. There's no evidence that anything that he's saying is true because there's no power. But he says all of these things. Thank you, Zoe. But, but he's writing all of these things, all of these spiritual gifts. He says, they're forthcoming on my side with no difficulty. He said, for us, for those who follow the true Jesus, these gifts are no problem. Like, come and we'll show you. Like, that's how confident he was in the things and the gifts of the Holy Spirit that, that he's writing. And that's what he's using in response to a false teacher. He's saying, okay, but if he can show us power, believe him. But he can't. But Tertullian writes, but from our side, from the true believers, from the true disciples, and this stuff is normal. We do it all the time. Next, we have a guy, uh, Oregon, who lived from 185 uh, after Jesus to about 254, who writes uh, the following regarding the work of the Spirit in the church and its followers. He says, there are still preserved among Christians traces of that Holy Spirit which appeared in the form of a dove that expel evil spirits, perform many cures, and foresee certain events according to the will of the Logos. 
Again, we see it. He's saying that it still exists within the church. And, and one more. Uh, this guy called uh, Cyril, uh, he's known as Cyril of Jerusalem, and he lived um, from 313 to about 386. So we're now into uh, another century later, right? Essentially the, the, the fourth century uh, at this point. And he writes, If you be counted worthy of the grace, your soul will be enlightened. You will receive a power which you had not. You will receive weapons terrible to the evil spirits. And if you cast not away your arms, but keep the seal upon your soul, no evil spirit will ever approach you, for he will be coward. For verily by the Spirit of God are the evil spirits cast out. Again, it's an expression of of the power of God. This is in the fourth century now. And still the early church is showing power in them. And notice as well, and lastly, it was in pretty much everyone that, that we read last week. Uh, it was in pretty much everyone that, 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 that we read today as well. That all of them basically, in some way, shape, or form, make mention of the power and the authority that Christians and believers have over what they term evil spirits. I think one of them even used the word, Right? And you, you can hear that, and depending on of, of your understanding um, and where you're at in your relationship with God and your understanding of his word, you can hear that and think, well, that just sounds far-fetched, crazy and weird, right? But the Bible tells us very clearly that we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of the heavenly realms or the unseen realms. Right? It makes it very clear that, that we are to equip the armor of God. Right? And there's a whole bunch of scriptures, and I don't have them written down because I wasn't going to go here. But a part of the problem that, and this is my opinion, okay, a part of the problem that a lot of churches have today and a lot of believers have is that they don't fully believe what the Bible says. We'll believe that Jesus died and that he rose again and that because of that we're covered by his blood and we're saved. Hallelujah, amen, God is good. But we then won't believe the rest of what the Bible tells us about the spiritual realm, about the fight that we're in, about the war that we're in, about how we as Christians are soldiers and we need to be prepared every single day of our lives to stand against the enemy, because there's a lot of people and a lot of churches that, that, that will even teach things along the line of, well, um, the moment that um, Christ died and rose again, then Satan no longer had any power on the earth, so we don't have to worry about evil spirits or evil powers anymore. That, that people teach this, right? Okay, fair enough. I like, you know, if that was true, that would be nice. But if that was true, then why the heck is the world still the way it is? Right? Why is the world falling apart and common sense and logic being flushed down the toilet if the enemy doesn't still have some sort of power on this earth? Because the Bible tells us that he is actually the prince of this world. 
Right? And we see that at work even early on in Jesus' ministry when Jesus goes into the wilderness and he's confronted by Satan and the, the last temptation um, that, that, that Satan brings upon Jesus, he takes him up on top of the mountain or whatever and shows him the whole world and, and Satan says to him, he says, hey Jesus, if you bow to me, I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus didn't respond with, um, they don't belong to you. He responded with, no, no, I, I don't need you, right? But, so what does that tell us? That Satan is the prince of this world, right? So we're, we're in a war, we're in a battle, and so we need to understand that there are things that go on in our lives, and again, we need to be careful in this, and not every single little thing that happens, not every uh, sniffly nose that I get is a spirit or a dear, and no, that, that's, that's way too far the other way. But we need to have an understanding and a recognition of the fullness of what the Bible teaches us about the spiritual battle that we're in. That we are in a war and we have power in that war because of God, because of the Holy Spirit in us. And Satan is still at work in this world trying to deceive people, trying to turn people away from the truth, trying to bring false teachings, trying to tell the church that they don't have any power. But God is saying, no, the church should be filled with power. Right? Then these are the things that are on my heart, right? This is where my heart's at. And I know that some of you are in the same spot and you're longing for more of the reality of power in our lives and the signs and wonders that, that will follow. I know that I know that you're hungry for that. And we need to understand the fullness of the gospel and the fullness of what the Bible teaches us about who we are, about the battle that we're in, about what God has done. Right? We need to understand this and what he's called us to do. We're not called to just go about every day powerless and, and hoping that this week will be okay and we'll make it through and we can get to church again on Sunday. Right? We need to be understanding that, no, no, I'm filled with the power of the Holy Spirit every single day. If stuff's going on in my family, if stuff's going on in my home, I don't need to wait till I go to church on Sunday to ask somebody to help me pray. I can pray myself. Or you can ring somebody and say, hey, hey can you come around and pray with me? Right? It doesn't have to wait until Sunday where filled with power every day. It, it's, it, it's not a once a week deal that we're in with God where, okay, on this day, you can be filled with power and you can do what I've called you to do. It's every single day of our lives, just like it was for the early church, where the Bible tells us that God was daily adding to their number, right? I just want to read one more scripture and then I'm going to finish. <clears throat> Mark chapter 16, verses 14 through 20. This is the longer ending of Mark. It says, Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Okay, so he's just rebuked them for their unfaithfulness and their lack of faith in everything that he taught them and told them was going to happen while he was here. He's just rebuked them. And then he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs shall follow those who believe in my name. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means 
hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven, sat down at the right hand of God, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. It wasn't just something cool for Jesus to say in his last conversations with his disciples before he ascended. He just rebuked them for their unfaithfulness. Then he says, now, now you go. You preach. You do all the things in here. And, and notice, he's not just saying either to, to those disciples. Right? He says, go into the world, preach the gospel. Everyone who believes is baptized will be saved. He who doesn't will be condemned. Right? And all of them, in my name, he's not saying just you, just you apostles, just you disciples, all of them, in my name, will be able to do these accompanying signs. All of them. And again, I said it last week, and I'll say it again. I don't see anywhere in Scripture that says that this ever ended. We are called to build power. The people that we love, that we want to, Come to Jesus. Just like the other nations that the early apostles and, and, and that went to, going to be expressions of the power of God that are going to change people's understanding. And I, I know that, that is, that's true for a lot of you in this place, for all of us in this place. If we hadn't seen, seen any evidence, or any expression of the power of the God that we say we serve, would we serve him? Would we come to church? Probably not. Why would we if there was no power? Because if there's no power, there's no salvation. There needs to be an expression of the outworking power of God in our lives. But we need to understand, number one, that that's a reality for us because of what Scripture says. We also need to understand the reality of the world we live in and how desperately it needs to see the power of God outwork. And it takes faith. But it takes, and it takes obedience. Are we willing to be obedient like that? I'm just going to read that, that last part of that scripture again. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven, sat down at the right hand of God, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying accompanying, I can't say that word properly, signs. Who we are. That's the God we serve. And this isn't a thing to them or whatever. It's to show us and to tell us. God wants us to know what we can do and what he's called us to. And to see the church get back to and the power of God at work. There's a, I'm going to finish on this. There's a church uh, down in Melbourne, for those of you who've been around um, the ACC for a while, might know of a guy, um, Corey Turner. I know the youth guys probably do because he was involved in youth ministry, the ACC stuff, uh, years and years ago. So he, he's, he's the head pastor 
of uh, what is now called uh, Numa Church down in Melbourne, which used to be uh, Richmond AOG. It's like the oldest AOG church in Australia. Really cool. But what they are experiencing over the last, I don't know how long it's been going for, but I've been hearing about it over the last six months. Miracle upon miracle upon miracle upon miracle is being experienced in that church. I was talking to Pastor Kevin Furlong, who was sharing with, with me about it, and th- this was, uh, this was um, uh, late last year, because he'd, ju- he'd just been there to speak. And he said in the period, uh, three, three weeks before he got there, and then when he had spoken, they had had over 300 medically documented cases of miracles happen within their church. 300 medically documented things where doctors and whatever are like, yep, this is unexplainable. And that was in like, a, it might have been over a month or something. And they've had more since then. I was talking to Bowen who, who went there the other day and he was telling me more and more of this stuff is happening. It's a reality, but it takes the hunger of the church to want to experience these things of God. And it takes us being willing to do the things that maybe we don't want to do sometimes and get to prayer and spend time in prayer and spend time fasting and spend time in the Word. Because when we do those things, we will be able to be greater expressions of the power of God because we'll be connected with Him so much more. I encourage you over this week, seek God for yourself. Seek Him in your word. If there's things that I've said that you don't fully agree with, that's fine. Take it to God and ask Him about it. Right? Ask Him to reveal it to you. If you really think I'm wrong, ask God to, to reveal truth to me if you think I'm wrong. I'm just sharing with you what, what I believe God is saying to me and saying to the church that it's time that we stand up and begin to be, be, be so much more so than ever before outworkers of the mighty gifts and the outworking of the power of the Holy Spirit that the Bible tells us very clearly lives within us. Amen. Let's just pray. Father God, we just thank you for this morning, Lord. We thank you for the truth of who you are. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that the same power that raised you from the dead, Lord Jesus, lives and dwells in us. And thank you, Lord, that you have equipped and gifted each and every one of us with the gifts, Holy Spirit, that you have decided for each of us to be used to glorify your church, to glorify your name, and so that your church be filled with expressions of power, Lord God. I pray that you would continue to establish each one of us, continue to teach each and every one of us, Lord God, continue to bring deeper and greater revelation and understanding of all that your word says, Lord Help us to know you more. Lord, give us each the boldness to step out in the moments of opportunity that we have to be a people and the church who express the power of the gifts of the Holy Spirit through our lives. Let there be miracles happen in this place, Lord God. Let there be miracles happen in our homes, Lord God, as we pray. Let there be healings, Lord God. Let there be words of prophecy and words of wisdom and knowledge spoken over each other on account of like. All the time, Lord God, not just here in this place on a Sunday. Lord, let your power and your spirit move through us like never before as we, as we humble ourselves before you, Lord God, and cry desperately out for more of you. We know that in of ourselves, none of this can happen. We need you, Lord Jesus. Have your way in us, God. In Jesus. <coughs> Amen. <coughs>